everyone. Welcome to the Shell Games Podcast for the week of July 9th. This is episode number 110, and Shell Games is a lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. And this week, I'm your host, John, as always, but instead of my regular cohorts, we're, we're bringing back a guest. I think maybe the first repeat guest we've had. Um, so w- welcome back, uh, friend, uh, fellow uh, amateur esports athlete and uh, game dev, uh, David, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, like I mentioned, we did have our, our amateur esports debut with uh, the Rainbow Six Siege Canadian uh, Open qualifiers. Uh, I was chatting to Ted a little bit about that on the show, but but I'm curious how that whole experience was for you, um, kind of in the lead up to to, to our, our uh, Open qualifiers and then our, our crushing defeat at the hands of our of our arch rivals, Team Potatoes. <laughs> yeah, it um. Overall, it was actually really fun. Like, even though we yeah. got super wrecked, it was, <laughs> like the lead up to it was great. I mean, uh, I was, you know, I was talking with Taylor, you know, who is one of our other teammates. Um, mm-hmm. Like my skill level in the, you know, two or three weeks or whatever, where we were really starting to play, you know, every day just skyrocketed, right? Like, yeah. you know, once we were, once we were done with the, the, you know, esports part of it. Um, and I, you know, I just went in randomly and like caught a couple of games, like, Felt real good because I was like, oh, suddenly I'm like <laughs> better than a lot of the other people playing just because, you know, we put so much time into it and we're really yeah. thinking about, you know, not just going in and playing and have fun, but really thinking about, okay, what are the strategies? What do I need to be doing here? You know, and that kind of stuff. And um, obviously all the little life lessons we get from from bubbles and everything, you know, are always yeah. in the back of your mind. And uh, yeah, um, so that was good. And it was, you know, it was a lot of fun to just... Uh, to not just be playing a game, but be playing with an actual purpose in mind, you know, and right, have, right. A, have a goal and something that you're working towards. I think that's always uh, really fun, which in, you know, in, in a lot of single player games and stuff, obviously you have lots of goals set up, but you know, with, with Siege, because so much of it is multiplayer, sometimes it's hard to, it, it, I, I feel like sometimes you get lost a little bit. It's hard to kind of have those goals and like you have a lot of your yeah. own personal goals that you might set like, oh, I feel like trying this new operator and maybe getting good, but it's not quite as, as, you know, structured as, as you might want. Yeah. I, I think so. Sometimes you can kind of get lost in the weeds in that, in that you're just kind of going match to match to match to match and you're, and you're not necessarily mm-hmm. doing anything. You're just kind of grinding it out. And yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. So, so like you said, you, you don't necessarily have, or, or when you play rather with, with goals in mind, like I want to get better at X, you know, I'm going to focus on, um, uh, runouts, or I'm going to focus on not getting spawn peaked, or I'm going to focus <laughs> on whatever. Right? Um, all of a sudden, that aspect of your game, you know, improves drastically. Um, you know, I find that with with Dota two, or you know, any sort of multiplayer game that that I'm trying to trying to get better at. So yeah, it was definitely cool to sort of play with that purpose. And I think playing with a full uh, five person team really really helps as well, especially once you start to learn the way the other players. Um, you know, play and interact and, and, and how you gel together. I, I think once you figure that out, you could, like you said, your, your skill level starts to skyrocket as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely playing with, you know, roughly, I mean, roughly we had kind of people coming in and out a little bit here and there too, but, you know, playing with roughly the same five people over and over, it, it felt really nice because it's like, okay, I have, like, I now have kind of this role on the team or, or, yeah. Or, you know, this sort of ad, it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And you, you feel like, obviously the intensity of the games is going up, but you feel a little bit more relaxed because it's like, I know what I'm doing when I'm yeah. going into the game. It's like, I'm doing this. Whereas when you go online, everybody's, 
and you're just like squatted up with some random people, it's like, well, you know, everybody kind of has their ability, but really we're all just out here fragging. Like, you know, cause yeah. you can't, yeah. you can kind of, you can kind of like get some stuff going, but really like people you, are arguing over operators or what, what they want exactly. to do. And, yeah, or, yeah. or they're talking about what they want to do during the match. And, and, uh, you know, all the pro league people, you know, the people who are really playing this at a professional level, they know what they're doing before the match goes in. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure their chat in game is just call outs. Like they're not talking yeah. about what they need to be doing. They know what they need to be doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like it's, it's definitely, and, and you can see it when, if you do watch those, those pro matches where as soon as the match starts, they're opening the objective or locking it down uh, specifically for that map, for that objective mm-hmm. against the team that they're facing. Like they, they, they have the notes on how does that team play this objective? Uh, what operators do they favor on this map against this object objective, probably against us. And it informs everything. And, and you know, they go in to that knowing everything. So yeah. it's, it was a little bit tricky for us going in, into this competition, sort of being like, okay, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen until we're like four or five rounds in and getting our teeth, you know, just fucking mangled. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. but i mean yeah and so like that that game itself was was rough especially and i i I think you talked about it on um uh on your podcast before about how they tried the new yeah uh format of you know five rounds of attacking then five rounds of defending or vice versa Mm -hmm. yeah i I think the the general consensus is we all kind of really didn't like it yeah yeah i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of that i um because yeah we just never got a chance to respond admittedly probably that team was good enough <laughs> that we were never like regardless of format we weren't going to get a chance to respond there yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. you know it, it it definitely you know we joked the whole time that we like we know we're going to get wrecked we know we're going to get wrecked this is going to go terribly this is a bad idea blah, 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 whatever but you know it's still you know the competition still you know builds inside yeah. you and when you get into yeah. the game it's still hard to you know have spent this much time for you know three mm-hmm. or four weeks or whatever and then just get absolutely crushed for 12 straight rounds unanswered because that's what it was it was like it was just 12 rounds of siege and those it's a long it's a long time to just sit there and get look at cameras basically because that's what i was doing (laughs) to to be fair there there were a couple rounds where we had them down to like it's true one or two operators you know where we were starting to be like okay we're maybe making a comeback and then just yeah no um we are we are better better defenders than than attackers, as it turns <laughs> yeah. out. But yeah. and to be fair, like like any, I think almost any one of their players could outshoot any of ours in a one on one gunfight. Now, me and Taylor were talking about that actually. Is like I was looking, I was looking kind of back at the videos, and I I was watching it, and I think we didn't like we made mistakes, obviously, but there were there were rounds where we lost where I don't know that we made a mistake. It's just that they like in every we lost every one on one fight. Yeah, that's just what happened. Like we were in the right position. We, you know, we were positioning ourselves correctly. We were reacting correctly. But just when the guns pointed at each other, they pulled the trigger <laughs> that hair second first every single time. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. it's it, you know, and that's just that's the difference right there mm-hmm. in, you know, us who are just really, really good. And I think we are overall. I think we're very good siege players and people who are mm-hmm. the professional siege players. They just have yeah. that they just always are getting that split second edge. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, so it, it was definitely an interesting experience. Like I, I enjoyed it, uh, but I'm glad to have taken it uh, like a week or two off from Rainbow yes. Six. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that, that is, that is the other part of this is like this, if we had got in, 
this was going to be our summer. Our, this was, was going to yeah, be the, the summer, of summer. Siege, <laughs> and that was it. And I was just like, like part of me, I was just like, I'm, I'm okay that we lost. Yeah, I'm okay that we lost. <laughs> like I yeah. do. I actually appreciate my weekend. I have and shit like, to do on the weekend. I can't just dedicate yeah. my, all my entire time to this. But so, so in those uh, couple of weeks since, uh, uh, since that happened, what have you been occupying your time with? What have you been, uh, what have you been playing since then? Uh, well, I meant, I, I mentioned kind of before the podcast started, um, Last weekend, I actually hosted a Halo 3 LAN uh, right. at my place, um, which is a lot of fun because obviously getting everybody in a room playing together is like, it's just yeah. that much more fun. And yeah, we, somebody brought in a big, uh, uh, you know, their big TV. And so we had my TV and their TV, you know, we had four people kind of per TV and we had a couple of people uh, of our friends uh, joining us online uh, mm-hmm. from back in Alberta. And so we ended up having, you know, 10 or a little bit more people um, able to play like full team games and, you know, nice. enough to even do like the teams of two and like, have all that kind of going on. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of yelling. I'm pretty sure I <laughs> made some enemies out of my neighbors <laughs> uh, that <laughs> night, but um, no, it was a lot of fun. But as a kind of a side result of that, um, I now have Xbox Live for a month, which I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I haven't gotten Xbox Live subscription like, yeah. you know, in the last three or four years. Yeah. Uh, so I've actually, <laughs> I've just kept my Xbox out and I've been playing uh, some online uh, 360 games. Uh, so the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, God, we used, we used to play that for hours and hours and hours and hours. Like I'm convinced that before... Before I really kind of got into PC gaming on Steam and stuff, I bet that Mass Effect 3 multiplayer was like my most played mm-hmm. game of all time. I, I, I always heard really good things about it, but I never really gave it a shot. It's it's very good. It it and they supported it really well. They were always releasing new maps and uh, new, um, I suppose say operators characters. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, God, I think that there's like 30 or 40 different characters that you can play as and be upgrading and you know it was all just about that you know that loop of upgrading your character to level 20 and like picking their stats and you unlock the weapons and the gear and you know all Mm -hmm. that whole thing but you know it's it's really fun so i've actually been playing yeah i've been playing a lot of uh my old dusting i've been pulling them off the shelf hey and and, uh, uh yeah dusting them off and and putting them and playing some 360 games. Nice, nice. So, so uh, the, the Mass Effect uh, multiplayer specifically, if I'm not mistaken, that was sort of along the lines of like a Gears of War horde mode where you were defending against yes. waves of enemies or, or was there any other, anything else there? Nope, it was just horde mode. There were different uh, uh, there were different objectives that you do per wave. Basically, every every game is 10 waves mm-hmm. uh, and they have different difficulties, you know, bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Um, which basically just increases the uh, number of enemies and the health of enemies and of like boss spawns. And then each wave, it's kind of random. There will be a different objective that you might have to uh, complete, which mm-hmm. keeps you from uh, camping basically or turtling up somewhere uh, because, you know, you'll just one of your waves will, yeah, just be kill everybody. Uh, but then the next wave is go collect these two power core, th- you know, lore wise, they'll, they'll say something, but you have to go collect <laughs> this object. Yeah. These two objects that are across the map and bring them back to a certain point, or there will be a drone and uh, you have to escort this drone across the center of the map, but it only moves when there's, you know, people within its radius. It's kind of like, you know, the, the tug of war TF2 or overwatch games where you have to be beside right, right. the objective to move it forward. Yep. 
um, and and stuff like that. And you just jump in with a squad of four people and you just kind of grind out enemies. It's it's very simple, but there's actually a lot of depth to all of the abilities and stuff that the characters have. Obviously, it's a very Mass Effecty thing of you know you get to upgrade your abilities and upgrade your weapons and do all that kind of stuff. Right, right. So you're getting you're scratching that kind of RPG itch, but it's in kind of a tighter, more bite sized package as opposed mm-hmm, to actually mm-hmm. wanting to jump in and play, you know, a hundred hours of Mass Effect or something yeah. like that. You know, you can just yeah, kind of get in sure. and, and play a little mini RPG basically, yeah, which is, nice. yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, since, uh, since our, uh, you know, terrible defeat um, in, in the tournaments, I've been kind of taking it easy playing a lot of Stardew Valley and, and um, you know, I was just like, Hey, I need, I need a break from multiplayer games. I need to do something a little bit more chill something maybe a sing- single player focus uh so i actually uh went back and uh took a look at uh prey from last mm. year yeah i saw you i saw you streaming that the other day yeah yeah so so the prey reboot so this was uh from arcane studios so they're the folks that do like the dishonored games uh published by bethesda um and i'm really digging it uh like it has a really cool i don't know sort of like a noir sci-fi aesthetic like you're on this space station where surprise surprise things have gone horribly wrong right and uh you're trying to figure out what's happening um you know character you know very very conveniently has amnesia uh so you're kind of discovering things uh, along the way um but really really cool world building and design and um usually i'm not like i'll play games like this sort of like the first person immersive immersive sims but usually i kind of just blow through them and i don't necessarily take my time and allow the you know side stuff or you know like the the journals and and then you know i'm not the type of person who's going to sit there and read like a whole a terminal full of emails between characters um but (laughs) is that your jam oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh surprisingly i'm actually doing that with prey um and i'm not entirely sure what it is that sort of sets itself apart um from other games that do similar things I, i think it's because the reading people's emails gives you so much information like not just like world building or story building but like useful information like hey you know so and so might be in this part of the of the uh of the station uh and i think they had this thing last and you're just like oh mental note i should probably go there because they might have something i need or hey you know uh, i had to change the security code for this uh safe um i left the the code here and you're just like okay cool I'll go and do that. Mm. Um, and some of that stuff is like super obvious and, and you get like a little, oh, objective updated. And some of it is is a lot more nuanced and you kind of just have to, you know, make that mental note yourself and, and, and kind of figure things out as you go. Um, but yeah, really, really digging it so far. I, I obviously want to spend a lot more time with it. But um, yeah, yeah, I just get a lot of, uh, you know, Blade Runner vibes, uh, you know, the yeah. original Alien movie. Um, you know, sometimes because when you run up against some of the aliens, at least at the point that I'm at now, they scare the fuck out of you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's just really, really cool, especially like the mimic characters that can like, uh, you know, they, they'll take the shape of like a like a plant or like a like a coffee cup or something, and mm. they'll like spring out of out of it and and try and attack you, and and it can yeah, it, it definitely take a couple years off your life, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a ton of fun so far. So yeah, I'm uh, just gonna have to spend some more time with it and uh, kind of see see how it all shakes out. Yeah, I uh, when I was watching you play it, I just watched you play for a little bit, and mm-hmm. I, I watched a couple of your uh, the clips that you posted to the Discord. But um, mm-hmm. I was definitely getting some some Half Life and Bioshock sort of yeah. vibes from yeah. it for yeah. sure, and I really liked those games. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
should probably pick it up. I, I gotta, is this in any way related to the Prey game that came out years ago on the 360? I have no clue. That has always confused me over whether this is a sequel or just a coincidence. I don't think so. Or, okay. It's, it's, it's <laughs> definitely a re, it's definitely a reboot. It's telling its own story. Um, oh, but it is, it, rela- it is. Like I don't know. I don't people. know. Oh, okay. I, 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 I don't know. Like I, I never, I never played that original Prey, so I don't know if it's loosely connected in any way. Um, I don't know if the enemies share a similar heritage or the characters or anything like that. So, right. Um, you, you know, you might have to do some some googling yeah. to sleuth that all out. But, but you know, there, there was a lot of confusion because like there was that Prey two that was announced years ago. I don't know if you remember this. They kind of showed a trailer at E three or or something like that, and it was a whole bunch of. It basically looked like a bounty hunter in Blade Runner, right? Um, and then that game got canceled, and people were pretty upset about it. Um, and again, even this reboot shares nothing with that Prey 2 that was shown years ago. But uh, I don't know. Interesting history with those games. Yeah. Um, anyways, so I guess that's uh, kind of what we've been playing uh, recently. Um, but upcoming games, uh, next week, July 17th, uh, we're going to be getting a new Adventure Time game. Uh, Adventure Time Pirates of the Enchiridion. Um, a, a lot of the Adventure Time stuff has kind of you know, kind of been mixed. Uh, you know, they've done some mobile stuff. Uh, so I think they had like a card battling game that, that was all right. Uh, I've never really dabbled with any of that stuff. Uh, I don't know. Are, are you an Adventure Time aficionado? I, I think I've seen one episode one time. Oh, you are missing out, my friend. That's what I hear. <laughs> I just see it's one of those things that I, I, I recognize that I would probably like it, but I yeah. just, it's just never. The, the Venn That's diagram fair. of interests for some reason has never yeah. crossed over. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we're not going to j- jump into a ton of news this week, but, but Dave, uh, since you're here um, and obviously you have a unique perspective on the industry as, as someone who's worked in games for a while um, and, is, and is on the development side, uh, we'll probably bring up a few things, but um, uh, I, guess, I guess we should have talked about this right off the hop. But um, so you, you work at uh, Hothead Games. I do. Um, and, and you work on a, a mobile game called Kill Shot Bravo. Yep. Um, is that iOS only or is that on Android as well? It's on uh, Android, iOS, um, and Amazon, maybe? Don't <laughs> okay. quote me. No, maybe don't quote me on that one. It's, it's on, it's on can, iOS. Can I get it on my BlackBerry is, <laughs> is all I'm wondering. Yes, yeah, so you use the little trackball <laughs> to aim. <laughs> no, but I, uh, iOS and Android for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, uh, so, so we talked a little bit about, um, you, you know, specifically game dev last time you were here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what have you, what, what's, uh, I don't know, like, like what have, what have you been working on lately? Because you know, I know you mentioned before the show that it's uh, bug uh, squash in time for you. So, so is, is that just a lot of like going through and are you going through, through old stuff or you're, I'm guessing it's going through like new stuff that you're wanting to put out and making sure there's no bugs in it. Uh, yeah. So the, the way we kind of work because we, it's a, it's a live game. Um, mm-hmm. Games as a service, I'm sure ha- has been a term that's been thrown mm-hmm. around on the podcast before, but yeah, we, uh, yeah. so we're always updating the game. We update it kind of roughly once a month, probably. Um, mm-hmm. And so, that means, you know, for players in our game, that means uh, a new map with all new missions over it, um, usually uh, new guns and new uh, uh, gear, which is, you know, they can put on helmets and chest pieces and leg pieces and stuff that give them certain perks and that that kind of stuff. Right. On our end, what that means is that we have kind of four weeks of development generally, which is uh, a week of planning-ish, 
uh, two weeks of production where we're actually, you know, making all of our missions in a, a, a week of bug fixing where we just go over the missions that we were QA, I guess, goes over the missions that we just made and we fix bugs and that kind of thing. Um, so we kind of have this cadence of, you know, we're, we're, we're very busy and working a lot during our production weeks, but then we as designers get to kind of, uh, like maybe not relax a bit, but like our work is just a little bit slower because typically we're focused. We're just kind of waiting for bugs to come in. And if a bug comes in from QA, we'll fix it. But usually that's kind of our week to, uh, you know, like look to, you know, the future, like kind of plan for what we're going to make in the future or work Mm -hmm. on sort of side projects, you know, like we'll be making feature docs and and that's kind of like an hour time to kind of work on, on things that aren't like directly the game uh, in that case. But yeah, so so this was bug week. Um, okay, but it was a short week because of Canada Day, um, mm-hmm. and one of our one of our designers was sick, so it wasn't exactly slow <laughs> this <laughs> this week. There's a lot of bugs, yeah. a lot of bugs to yeah. to be fixing. Obviously, it sounds like a lot of work, but are, are you still enjoying it? Because because I know you were sort of working on the community side in some of your past jobs, and now you're you're more focused on on actual you know development. Um, so, so are you still like, you know, enjoying it? Do you feel like you're, you're being challenged every day? Oh yeah. It's, um, the challenges kind of, they kind of change as, as, as it goes on because the game is a little bit older now, you know, it's, it's, I guess sometimes it's less of a question of like, oh, what are the, what are all these cool new things that we can do? Um, but a little bit more of, okay, what can we do with what we have sort of a mm-hmm. thing and, um, and uh, keeping it fresh for players, you know, in a game right. that's, you know, at this point kind of closing in on being three years old, which in, in the mobile space is, is pretty old, honestly. Yeah. Um, but we still have, you know, a lot of players playing and a very devoted fan base. Uh, we actually started a, you know, a couple new ways of communicating with players, you know, discord and that sort of thing. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so in, in order to get player feedback and to talk to them and, and that's been really positive, but, uh yeah no I'm I'm enjoying it it's a lot of fun um I've actually recently been able to do a little bit more uh, environment art in mm-hmm. my role than I have in the past um uh, just kind of the way that we've uh, c- created new maps we kind of have this this kind of general map that we use um that and we have this huge like I said it's an older game so we have this huge asset library basically and so in in a lot of cases uh. You know, if there's an asset or something that I want to build or or see, we kind of have enough assets in the game that I can I can sort of kit bash something together. Basically, you mm-hmm. know, like you, right. you'd be surprised how far just a set of pipes and catwalks will get you when you just like <laughs> jam them all together and just make a thing out of them, kind of a thing. So, right. yeah. uh, no, like there's there's a there's a lot of fun challenges like that of of you know trying to think of how what new things we can do and keep it fresh mm-hmm. and. Um, this week, it re- me my attempts to try some new things and keep it fresh resulted in a lot of bugs, <laughs> but uh, those all got fixed. So yeah, um, nice. just meant a little bit extra work on my on my side because I got a little yeah. ambitious. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's I mean, awesome. It's it's obviously a lot of hard work and and uh, and all that. But at the end of the day, you're just you, you know you're making games. It's it's a pretty fun job. So yeah, you know for sure. Um, and that's obviously something we'll talk about a, a little bit later, but, um, you know, g- game dev is always sort of, I don't know. I, I feel like there are sort of, there are subsets of players in certain communities who kind of think that game development is this, I, I don't know. It, it, like, it's almost like this sort of like, like hallowed position within the industry, right? Where it's like, 
it's this dream job that like no one could sort of conceive. You know, it's but 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 at the same time, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about like what the job actually entails because mm-hmm. uh, because some people might see it as like oh you get to hang around and play fucking video games all day or just like working tools to like make Commander Shepard's fucking lips move or something and like I, I so so again you know we we hear a lot of rhetoric sometimes on the player side of things of like, oh, you know, devs are lazy and they didn't fix this thing and they did this that totally broke the game and blah, blah, blah. And why would they make this decision about monetization and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, not sort of perhaps realizing that that's not necessarily all within the control of the quote devs who do the, you know, the trench work on on those games. Um, And and again, something that I've really tried to do with the show and the conversations that we've had here is talk more frankly about that and just sort of be like less reactionary, less sort of presumptuous and, you know, I don't want to say more mature, but sort of take a look at this and sort of be like, hey, these jobs are fucking hard and they are in fact jobs. And, you know, th- there isn't necessarily this mystique around them. I don't, I don't know. How, how do you kind of feel about I, I, that's a, a huge loaded question, but but how do you yeah. feel about that? <laughs> well, um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are definitely a lot of misconceptions. I mean, you'll read comments on, you know, on on Facebook or the reviews or or whatever, or you know, not even related to our game. You know, I'll read, you know, comments and reactions to things that people did, um, you know, that developers released and things online, and 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 I get why players, you know, can get upset and worked up about stuff. I really do because you know mm-hmm. you spend. You know, you spend a lot of money on games. Like I play games too. I'm also a player. I spend a lot of money on games. And so, you know, when you spend a lot of money and especially a lot of time on something and it ends up maybe falling short of your expectations or it was good and an update comes and now it's falls, you know, and now things have changed yeah. sort of like I, right. I can get why that, you know, that feels almost, uh, almost very personal because games right. are these very, you know, even multiplayer games, you know, it's usually you in a room and you are interacting with this game interface. And so it is kind of this very personal almost solitary experience sometimes and when a game changes you can take that personally on the other hand we're just humans man like we you know like there's you know a lot of people a lot of things i'll I'll see you know is this kind of attitude of oh the devs are trying to you know they're trying to screw us basically or they're trying Mm -hmm. to change things they're trying to get money out of us they're trying to you know look at this thing they did they they're trying to make us mad but we caught them it's like there's no developer (laughs) in the world worth calling themselves a developer who goes into games to make players upset. <laughs> like right. That's right. right. Like that's no, that's zero people have that goal. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, you want, you want your game to be a success and, you know, you measure success in, you know, how many people are playing your game and, you know, how, what kind of reviews you're getting and how much money you're making. Because at the end of the day, let's face it, it is business. This is a job. We need mm-hmm. to make money. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, happy people spend more money than upset people. So, like, you know what I mean? So, like, why would we, you know, purposely try to, you know, make somebody right. angry yeah. and try to, you know, you know, and, 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 you know, one of, one of the, the key things, especially when it comes to monetization, which obviously is a huge conversation right now in, mm-hmm. in games because monetization, which was typically just a mobile thing over the last couple of years is starting to come to AAA games more and more. You know, and so it's a little bit of a new thing there and sort of trying to devs are trying to find out the ways that kind of work when it comes to monetization, Uh, you know, for, 
what we might think of as AAA games as opposed to like maybe mobile games or indie games or, or whatever. Um, and that's the thing is that, you know, we're trying stuff out and sometimes right. it doesn't work, right? right? You know, and sometimes it does work, but you know, always, always, always we're trying to create a good experience for the player. You know, player, mm-hmm. we, we don't want somebody to feel like they've been, you know, screwed out of their money or something like that. Cause you like, right. you can do that and you can, you can, you know, maybe be kind of, a little bit greedy and, you know, sneaky and try to trick people into spending money. But like that works once, right? Right. <laughs> you know, one time a player will spend money, but then you've made them feel bad. And they're like, oh, well now I just feel stupid because I got tricked into spending money on this thing. You know, no one, no developer mm-hmm. is going to try to trick you into spending money. We want to make sure that the things that we're making for you are valuable to you and that yeah. you feel like you're getting your money's worth out of it. And sometimes you don't. And we have to mm-hmm. sit there and be like, whoops, you know, maybe we'll change that. We'll look at the numbers and we'll say, oh, this this did really well and this didn't do so well. And now we need to adjust and adapt and we're kind of doing that. But mm-hmm. uh, because it's a live game, you know, we're kind of figuring that out with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys as in players. And um, yeah, yeah. So, like, always, you know, the feedback and, and the conversation is always important. Like, we always want players to tell us how they feel. Mm-hmm. They could swear less sometimes, but they, <laughs> you know, they can, they can always, uh, we always want to know how players feel and, and to have yeah. that conversation opens. And there's always, even, you know, in, in the conversations, yeah, where maybe you see players being a little bit toxic or, or very angry or vitriolic kind of towards you, you know, there's still, you know, there, you you still did something to make them feel that way, and there whatever in and around you know the swearing and the anger and all that stuff is kind of this kernel of truth of how you made them feel, and you need to mm-hmm. try to zero in on that, and uh, you know do your best to not make somebody feel like that again, basically. But yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's kind of my perspective. It's like yeah, some you know sometimes we do screw up. Like that's just the yeah, way it for is. Sure. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, everyone's everyone's you know fallible, and um, I, you know again, it's it's this. It's this interesting industry where you're working on these projects that can have massive teams or, or, or not even massive teams, but even on a smaller team at like an indie studio, you have so many moving parts um, and, you know, to make them all fit, to make this cohesive thing. Like it's, it's um, I, I've heard this before and I can't remember who I, who I heard say it, but it's almost like a miracle that any game actually ships. Um mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and like, like, uh, like any art or any sort of creative work, more often than not, they're not, they're not quote finished. They're just, they, the people stop working on them, you know, especially yeah. with products that actually like get packaged and shipped. Obviously that's changed now, but, but, but again, it's more like, Hey, we've gotten this to a point where we feel comfortable releasing it and we'll just kind of keep tweaking it as we go. Um, and again, going back to the idea, the monetization uh, conversation, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I always try and reinforce that, like, a lot of these decisions are not being made at the junior level. Like, they sometimes they're not even being made by the developer or the studio themselves. They're often happening at the publisher level. Um, you know, people who are much more concerned about the return on investment uh, for their investors or, or whomever. And, you know, again, I think that can be frustrating for players who all they see is, oh, hey, now this game has microtransactions when it didn't before or it didn't in past, you know, uh, iterations of the franchise. So so I can understand that frustration. But again, I I feel sometimes like like it gets a little bit misplaced. Yeah. Like some some people have almost no say in that. Right. Like there's um, I mean, like, obviously, when you're working on a team, like the teams sometimes can be quite small or maybe a lot smaller than you might think. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, everybody should have a voice in the room. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it might not be, you know, it might not be your call. And, you know, you, there, you know, there are going to be disagreements. I mean, you have a group of people trying to decide what the right direction forward is, you know, and people are going to have different opinions. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's somebody's call and somebody has to make a call. And because you have to keep, you have to keep developing stuff. You have to keep moving mm-hmm. forward. You can't get stuck. And, and so you have to make a call and kind of run with it. And, uh, and, you know, hope that it's for the best. But I mean, like we, um, for a lot of our features and, and documents and all kinds of stuff like that, like typically one of the first things we will write is a, what we call a user story mm-hmm. for that, which is um, you kind of describe the feature from the perspective of the player. And you okay. say like, as a player, I feel this when this happens. Okay. So now I do this, right? Like, and that's how you write the feature at first, because you want to focus on, like I said before, what is the player's feeling? What is the player action? What is the player behavior? Right. It's like less sexy role playing, putting yourself in the shoes I mean, of the player. It depends on <laughs> what your definition of sexy is, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we're always, we're always trying, we're always trying to keep the player in mind. Like we're doing this for right. the players. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, at some point, somebody's got to make a call. And that, yeah, that isn't always your team necessarily, Mm -hmm. or you even like I, you know, what I have direct control over is a very small chunk of the game, right? Um, You know, the part that I get to make a call on, you know, is basically Mm -hmm. what happens in that specific mission. And that is what I'm responsible for. Um, And obviously I give, I can give feedback and I can give my opinions when we have like team meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that is, you know, like that's like I'm not the one who's making kind of the big decisions about the game, right? You know that, yeah. that I'm just there, you know, as part of the conversation. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's that's not to say that you know players should be getting mad at all the higher ups either. You know, <laughs> like they they <laughs> they're trying to run a business and do what they think is right too. So you yeah. know, it's 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 definitely more more complicated than than um you know a a post that that I might put on Reddit um. But um, anyways, I, I figure we could take take uh, some of that unique perspective of yours and, and maybe turn it towards uh, some, some of the big news stories uh, of the last week or so. Uh, so first things first, um, you know, a lot of people have been excited about uh, the upcoming Fallout 76 since that was announced at E3 by Bethesda. Um, and of course, this one's going to be a little bit different, going to be an online sort of multiplayer survival type thing along the lines of like a rust or like a daisy but uh also um in, you know in the past couple of weeks on the podcast we've talked about this this conversation about crossplay since mm-hmm. um fortnite was was released on switch and very quickly uh users users found out that if they had played on the playstation 4 their accounts were essentially locked on the switch and they, and they couldn't access that stuff they couldn't access their their account their their transit you know their cosmetics or microtransactions etc um, so, so that left a bit of a sour taste in everyone's mouth. Um, but, but again, you know, we, we talked about this last week about how up to that point, that was the, you know, business as usual. No, no mm-hmm. one sort of thought anything about like, oh, no, no, you have to be able to access this game on all platforms. But that's, that's brought up the conversation and it's almost, um, expected now where players are almost kind of, I don't want to say demanding, but, but well, some, some are demanding, but, um, but players really think that hey in 2018 we should be able to play with our friends regardless of what console or what platform they might be on uh so with that all in mind uh todd howard uh uh the uh the uh busy creative director director uh behind the follow follow games yeah um i can't remember what, what, it, what his actual title is um but he was interviewed by cnet um oh no sorry he was interviewed by gamestar uh deutschland and um 
they were, they were asking him about this and specifically crossplay with Fallout. Um, and he says, uh, quote, we would love to do crossplay uh, in Fallout 76, but right now that's not possible. And he very clearly says uh, that Sony is not as helpful as everyone would like. Uh, so, uh, you know, very, very, very often in the past when, when this has come up, devs are kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, we'd maybe like to do it, but we're going to have to talk to our partners and blah, blah, blah. And they kind of danced around this issue. But Todd Howard here is very, very blatantly pointing the finger at Sony and saying, yeah, it's these jerks. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, very, very interesting that he's straight up, you know, uh, calling it like he sees it. Um, so, so what do you think about this story about, you know, A, crossplay, B, players really wanting crossplay, and, and C, devs now getting to a point where they're going to be putting pressure on these specific publishers and, and these uh, platform holders? Well, yeah, like I, I haven't worked in consoles, so I don't actually know how difficult it is <laughs> to get crossplay working. Yeah. I have to imagine it's it's not like like if obviously if you put your mind to it you're they can make it work and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like part of me feels a little bit bad for Sony. Yeah. Um, I'd like it said I think that crossplay should exist. I think that that's great. I think that that's great for players and obviously the game uh, developers. Um, but Sony is def- definitely I think got blindsided by this because this this wasn't just with Fallout seventy six. This was with uh, Minecraft. I think was the right. the yeah, kind of big major one. announcement was that Xbox or Microsoft and Nintendo are doing crossplay. You know, mm-hmm. they survive together or create together, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, we campaign talked about where that. they it was a Nintendo ad, and the first thing you saw was an Xbox controller in it, which is mm-hmm. insanity. Yeah, like never, yeah. never before would you see something like that. Like they, yeah. especially Nintendo. Like Nintendo is yeah. very, very like brand conscious mm-hmm. when it comes to stuff like that. But I mean, they're going that, and I, I can only imagine that Sony devs just like were slack jawed watching that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know. And, so. and, and again, like, I, like I don't blame them. I, I feel like it's just something that they haven't prioritized. So yeah, again, it's just been business as usual. And, and, and they kind of just like all of a sudden it caught up to them and they're just like, oh shit, now everyone's angry at us and we don't know why. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that they are this console generation, they are winning. And mm. the entire business like outlook of console developers has been get exclusives, get exclusives, get exclusives, because exclusives are the things that sell consoles. Mm-hmm. You know, Sony had good exclusives with the PS3, but, you know, for various other reasons, you know, expensive tech being one of them, but also kind of exclusives, uh, they sort of, air quotes, lost last console generation. And Microsoft was the winner. Microsoft had all kinds of powerful exclusives and they had a good price point and it had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, online play that was actually made sense in some way. And... um and so they won last generation. And I'd like to point out that crossplay came up in last generation too. And it was Microsoft that said no because they were winning the console race. Yeah, very true. Uh, like, so let's not give Xbox too much credit here. <laughs> like they said no before too. And it was because yeah. it, it benefited them and their business. And now Sony's saying no now because it benefits them and their business. But now in a very active social media world and because it's kind of like a Xbox and Nintendo have joined forces, which is something that didn't happen in the past. You know, Sony's just really getting railed on this one. And 
Having said that, like, God damn it, just do it. Like, it, come on. Like, <laughs> you know. And, but, but, like, again, like, up to this point, it's very much been a money-conscious decision. Because, Absolutely. Y- you know, if, if you have a third-party game on your platform, you're getting a cut of whatever in-game transactions are happening on your platform. You know, it happens on mobile. It happens on consoles. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it happens through Steam. Um, so, so, you know, that, that, again, has been just business as usual. Um, so. You know, again, I can understand Sony being hesitant to be like, oh, well, I don't know, because they spent money somewhere else at one of our competitors. So I don't know if we want to allow that stuff on our platform, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hairy. And even like, even if, even if they're in a position right now where they're actually kind of considering crossplay, I mean, like that's going, that's going to affect their business in a huge way. Mm -hmm. There's no way that they can just say, oh yeah, okay, right? Like, they, you know, just ignoring all the technical stuff, like this is going to affect them as a business in a major way. They have to do the re- the market research and try to see how this is going to affect their bottom line because they don't want to make some rash decision and go out of business. Like, you know, mm-hmm. not, that, not that like Sony is going to go out of business, but you, you, know what I, you know what I mean, right? Like it's, yeah, it's going to affect them in a big, big way. Or maybe it won't, but they don't know that. They, they mm-hmm. have to see like how this is actually going to play out for them. Um, you know, so like their quote is, you know, that they're looking at a lot of the possibilities and that they are confident we'll get to a solution which will be understood and accepted by our gaming community, which is just <laughs> the most generic non answer yeah. I've, <laughs> I've ever heard. But I, I mean, I don't blame them. They're getting so much pressure. They're just like, we can't just say yes or no right now. We yeah. have to see how this is going to affect us like everybody chill <laughs> yeah it also sounds like an answer that's just like we're going to give you an answer and you're going to like it um but uh yeah well i think again it's just sort of a wait and see thing right now yeah uh, uh the, there is mounting pressure from fans and players and now you know with this todd howard stuff and even some of the stuff that like the folks at rocket league um and some of those other larger mm-hmm. games uh you know the Fortnite folks as well them putting pressure on these platform holders um, is, is, you know, that, that's all going to come to a head one of these days. Um, and, and I think it's really, it really has a lot of these folks reconsidering, hey, how do we conduct business and how are we going to conduct business moving forward? Yeah. Um, so uh, in uh, less happy news, I don't know how I want to <laughs> transition to this, but anyways, we used to have this recurring segment on the show and uh, it was called, what did I call it? Twitch, Twitch stars behaving badly, esports stars behaving badly, oh something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, anywho, um, a, a couple of very big name Twitch streamers recently uh, received lengthy bans from Twitch, uh, from the platform, uh, for their behavior. And this is something, again, we've talked a ton about on the show. Uh, what is and isn't appropriate uh, for players to do in-game while they're streaming, uh, especially uh, folks who gather such large audiences we talked a ton about this uh with regard to folks like pewdiepie um ninja you know every time someone slips up and and uses a homophobic slur anyways there's this great piece over on uh, polygon I'll, I'll probably link it in the show notes uh it's by julia alexander it's called uh quote popular twitch streamers receive lengthy bans for using homophobic language and offensive uh jokes but uh david you had a chance to look uh, at this here, here they're specifically talking about uh, a hearthstone streamer who goes by destiny uh, mm-hmm. And another big streamer who goes by Mo, and yeah, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not even going to bother talking about what they said or how they said it. Like, you know, uh, again, using offensive uh, slurs, uh, racially charged jokes, 
Um, and Twitch has sort of finally gotten to a point where there's, again, been mounting pressure from the community to actually take action against people who engage in this uh, harassing or hateful sort of behavior. And it, it's this it's this weird thing where platforms sort of have to take into account, hey, we're an open platform where we have all this user-generated content. Like, that's our business model, user-generated content. and you know, so so with that being said, we can't necessarily put, you know, these the, these hard limits on what is and isn't allowed. We can have loose rules and sometimes we'll bend them here and there. Um, obviously, you know, the, the, there are certain things that are just straight up illegal that we won't allow. Um, but obviously, they do want these big streamers on their platforms uh, and they've given them a lot of leeway with how they conduct themselves and how they conduct their their own streams and their own businesses and their own communities. But again, th- there is sort of this mounting pressure that like, hey, you need to hold these folks accountable for perhaps the things that they incite or perhaps the things that they say on these platforms. Um, so, so David, you had a chance to look at this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Twitch recently updated their their um, uh, guidelines with, with regard to all this and, and the action that they'll sort of take. So, so what do you think about what happens here and what happens on platforms like Twitch and YouTube, uh, specifically with some of these larger influencers, you know, again, how they conduct themselves, how they conduct their communities, um, and how platforms are trying to respond. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. I mean, I'm absolutely for Twitch banning people that use that kind mm-hmm. of language and, yeah. and are being toxic or or supporting toxic, even kind of indirectly, they're supporting, mm-hmm. you know, toxic communities. You know, the I was watching this uh, Destiny guy, and he has a video up of, you know, it's like an hour-long video on the two reasons he was banned. <laughs> and he kept... <laughs> yeah, he said some pretty... He said some pretty awful things. And, yeah. you know, what I was paying attention to throughout the video, he was just being a whine... I have no sympathy for him. He was just being a total whiny, just child yeah. about it. Um, you can't drop homophobic slurs and then go spend an hour saying, I don't get why they banned me. Like, yeah, because yeah. of the homophobic slur you dropped, it was pretty, yeah. pretty cut and dry. It's here. like, oh, I, I grew up saying it and we, my friends don't think it's a bad word. And it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily matter because yeah. you're on this huge platform now. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. You're on this huge platform and he has a ton of people following him. And all I was doing was watching because he's doing it on Twitch or at least with his Twitch overlay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the chat was going on the side. The chat was just full of fuck Twitch. We love you. Twitch is mm-hmm. an idiot. You know, I can't believe that they're banning you for saying that. It doesn't even matter. It's not that big a deal. And it's just like this guy has a lot of sway and a lot of influence. He's literally called an influencer. He influences people. Yeah. You know, and if it's okay for him to drop homophobic slurs, then there is a hundred thousand it's not just about him it's about the hundred thousand or more people standing behind him that now also Mm -hmm. think it's okay to drop homophobic slurs right and if you're going to have that many people you can you can have this like casual sort of laissez-faire attitude of oh well i can't be responsible for what other people say it's like but you do have a responsibility you have a responsibility to how you conduct yourself Mm -hmm. you have responsibility towards the people that you're influencing and twitch banning you is absolutely appropriate Twitch yeah. is also a private company. They can ban you for whatever the hell they want. They can ban you because they didn't like that you wore a blue shirt. It's a private company. <laughs> they can they can say that if they want. They like there you know there's people saying like oh do they have the right to do that? Yes, they goddamn do. They're they're a private mm. company. They can ban you for whatever. Yeah. 
like it's their company it's not your platform right mm-hmm. it's their platform that they're allowing you to use periodically yeah. and and again i think this is kind of catching people off guard because uh these bands sort of signify some of the big changes that they've made at the company recently, where again, in the past, they would let a lot of this stuff slide or a lot of this stuff wouldn't even make the news. But now more and more, um, you know, they even say uh, in their guidelines that creators are role models and they are leaders of the communities that they create. Um, that's a direct quote from the, from their guidelines. Um, so, so like exactly what you were saying, David, like just because you see that one person on the screen, there is you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people uh, behind them who look up to them, who try to uh, model themselves after that person or mimic their their behavior or their conduct. And and I mean, it, it's fine for you and you and I to sort of sit here because we're old, <laughs> you know, we, we can kind of both sit here yeah. and be like, yeah, you know, like obviously this shit all makes sense, but sometimes it, it can be hard, um, you know, uh, again, specifically thinking about some of the younger audiences out there um and, and and how they look to some of the, the these folks and again that's why i think when the shit with pewdiepie was happening and and you know some of some of these other big influencers you know those folks might not necessarily know why why is the media making a big deal out of this why is this platform making an example out of me and th- th- they feel victimized in in this way that again they don't necessarily understand that you know their success has you know, given them this huge audience, but there will also be consequences for, for their behavior. And not just like consequences like, oh, you got slapped on the wrist. Like you're going to fucking lose money mm-hmm. because of your behavior. And that is how business is conducted. Yeah, always. I mean, like, and especially when you're, you are not independently responsible for distributing your content, you are relying on Twitch or YouTube or whoever to distribute your content, uh, you know, or you know, for mobile developers, you know, what if Google Play decides it doesn't like your game? Right. It'll take you down, right? What if, what if you know, Apple decides to change its terms and policies, which actually recently it did. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are losing a lot of money over it because they changed how they, um, how they funnel their, you know, discovery page, basically. Right. And how they do features and stuff. And they changed that. And that has resulted in major, you know, player drops. Um, so you kind of have to play by their rules. And if Twitch says, we don't want you dropping homophobic slurs, then just don't maybe. <laughs> like it's that simple. And that's, that's something that's always bothered me is like this idea that I've always said that and I don't think it's that bad word and I and I and I and I and I. If, if it makes somebody else feel bad, like is that word that important to you? Like mm-hmm. can you honestly not think of another word to say for that sucks? Mm-hmm. You know? than that if it means that you know you're just not hurting somebody else's feelings or making them feel uncomfortable like is that the hill you want to die on really yeah Yeah, just don't just don't use the word it's not that big a deal (laughs) like there the the english language is wide you there's so many (laughs) words we can use for i don't like this yeah yeah (laughs) exactly And, and i think that's that's um it's i don't want to call it like a learning process but but i think it's sort of a hard re- truth that a lot of people sort of have to come to terms with themselves. Like, you know, I said a lot of problematic shit uh, in my past and I'm sure there are still things that, that I may say that I don't necessarily know or I'm aware uh, that, that, you know, it hurts people. Um, and, and I think as soon as you start to realize, Oh, this word hurts someone, 
then you kind of say, maybe I should not do that anymore. You know, I, I used to have this attitude that like, oh, words are words. They, they don't mean anything. But like the first time you realize, oh, because of the way I frame this or because of the thing I said, I hurt someone who was important to me or, you know, just a total stranger. And if, if you can empathize, then maybe eventually you'll, you'll, you'll start to change in that way, you know? But, but I, again, I think it's kind of a hard process for a lot of people. Yeah. I, anyway. So good. Anyway. He's banned. He's banned. <laughs> good, and and good. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Totally fine with it. Um, so uh, kind of along the same lines, uh, specifically about interactions between fans and, um, you know, people w- within the community, uh, less influencers, more developers. So again, David, before you were talking about how, you know, a lot of that interaction is really good because even if someone is, is angry, sometimes there's a little kernel in, in what they're saying that you can kind of take and be like, oh, okay, we can take this and they're not happy about this system. So, so how do we change that to make players, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, want to engage with it? Um, but uh, recently this week, uh, there was some, I, I'm going to say, I, I think some troubling news um, out of ArenaNet. And, and ArenaNet are the folks behind Guild Wars 2, um, a, a, a very popular MMO that's still kind of going strong and has a very dedicated uh, community around it. I actually played this um, when, when it first uh, launched a few years ago. Uh, so really cool game. Uh, but just in this last week, ArenaNet has let go two of its employees, uh, Jessica Price and Peter uh, Fries. This is kind of a troubling story, and I'll try and summarize it. But basically what happened is um, Price was talking about uh, uh, an aspect of development on on her personal Twitter. She was talking about how it can be tough uh, writing uh, player characters in, in an MMO. And then a, a fan YouTuber uh, who goes by uh, Dror, uh, or Deroir, if you want to put the, the, the French. <laughs> so fancy. Yeah, the French pronunciation on it. Um, uh, but, but anyway, he, th- this is a partnered uh, fan creator on YouTube, uh, partnered with ArenaNet, uh, who uh, replied to her. Um, and, and she she kind of snapped back at him a little bit, kind of saying like, hey, don't mansplain my job to me. Um, and that's fine. Like, I I, I understand, like, the, the the community took it as her attacking them or, or attacking a prominent member of the community. And um, I can see her frustration of being like, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I've been doing this job for years and years and years. Uh, and people are always trying to tell me how to do it. And, you know, you kind of get a little bit snippy about it. Uh, but, you know, instead of it just kind of ending there or, you know, uh, the company forcing her to, to apologize to this guy or whatever, ArenaNet kind of took the step of letting her go and also letting go um, uh, Peter, Peter Freeze, Peter Fries, um, who d- defended her in a couple of tweets as well. So again, instead of disciplining, disciplining them internally or just saying like, hey, forget it, don't worry, you just had a little tiff with someone on Twitter, who cares? Um, this blew up uh, to, yeah, just to the point where um, they let both of those employees go and uh didn't really stick up for them and 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 what's troubling about this is it sort of set this weird precedent where uh the community and especially certain aspects of the community on reddit feel empowered feel like hey we harassed the company to the point where they bent to our will and they got rid of this person that we saw as problematic so this is a really complicated story and again kind of troubling kind of sets a weird uh, a bad precedent 
so as a dev or just as as a person, David, what, what, what do you think about this this whole thing with Guild Wars Two? As as a dev and as a person and as a person, I mean it's uh, it's yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty. This is there's a lot of layers to this story, and yeah. I I'm kind of just got caught up with it, but yeah, it sucks because you know as as developers sometimes we really do want to interact with the fans. Actually, I should say sometimes, like we almost always want to interact with fans. Like you're making this thing, you're spending so much time working on this stuff. You want to know what people think of it, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just have conversations about it, especially, you know, if it's on, on your personal Twitter, it's kind of like that's, well, that's like your space, right? This is, you know, yeah. this is my Twitter. This is where I'm kind of saying my stuff. And you're going to have people saying just kind of awful shit to you <laughs> all the time. There's a, you know, you're going to have a lot of really positive interactions, but there's always going to be that kind of like background just rumbling of, you know, people who are upset with you. I can get, I can totally get why, you know, she probably got to a point where she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to just ignore that rumbling anymore. I just, you know, right. and you just kind of, you lose your temper for a second and just say, actually, fuck you. Like, you know mm. what I mean? And, like, I get that. I mean, like I, I said before, like we're people, you can't just constantly poke people. Right. And not expect them to kind of, poke back i mean that's what happens mm. and of course as soon as she does there's so many people just waiting in the wings ready to pounce on this right that's right that's right. what these people did you know they're just waiting for her to give them something that they can latch on to to really just make this explode mm. yeah I, it sucks i i feel i feel for them i feel for them mm. getting laid off like it 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 sucks that you can't you can't sit there and talk about that and you can, and you can have, you know, a full community of people feel, you know, like they're justified in getting you fired. I mean, just leave people alone for God's sakes. I mean, like they're making a game. I like, it's a yeah. game. It's a, it's a game at the end of the, of a, of the day. This is a game, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, sometimes players really, really get this. Like I said before, you know, it feels personal. It's like, this is mm-hmm. my game. This is for me right. kind of thing. It's right. like, well, it's for a lot of people. It's not just for you. It's for, it's, you know, it's for a lot of people. And, and, you know, especially when, you know, this wasn't even really about, about the game necessarily or directly. It was more about her and her job and kind of what she does. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I had somebody, you know, telling me what my job is and I sat there and said, oh, well, actually, you know, this is more what I do. And they said, no, this is what you do. I'd be like, well, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? No, yeah, like, exactly. You're, you're not there with me. Like, I, I know what I do every day, you know, and, and I could imagine, especially like, and I'm a guy, like, let's not yeah. pretend like that isn't a huge part of this too. I was, I was about to bring that up as well. Like, like there, there, there's this, you know, it, obviously more troubling aspect to this is that she is, she is a prominent woman at this company. Right. And, yeah. and this industry has a very bad history about going after women uh, that work in development, that work in in, in critique, or, or work at news outlets, and uh, not you know not just women, but people of color, or you know just people who don't identify as straight white males. Yeah, and and so so again, there is that more troubling aspect to it, where uh, you know that there was this you know groundswell in the community who who just said, you know what, this woman needs to be fired, and we're going to make it happen. Um, and, yeah. and I'm just, I'm just really sad that ArenaNet kind of caved to that. And, and, and again, like, it just feels like they didn't stand by their employee. Like, Hey, you know what? Maybe tell her, Hey, don't, don't be on Twitter for a while. Or, Hey, we're going to have you in a less public yeah. facing role for a bit. Like, like just fucking handle your shit, man. And don't like give in to like, like, I don't know. I, I feel like 
I don't know. I like I I just can't fathom what decision making process they went through where they're like, oh, you know what? No, they both need to go. As opposed yeah. to be like like the amount of money that they've invested in those employees, like how how much more are they gonna gain from people spending on microtransactions in their game than on having two happy employees that can keep building good things for you, you know? The thing is, is that they're not going to lose money. I mean, there's a reason that these people are so passionate. It's because they're engaged players. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. even if they didn't fire these two people, I, I doubt their business was actually going to be harmed that much. Yeah. And, I, and I mean, like, as far as the actual, like, them getting laid off or fired, I, I kind of am using the words interchangeably. I'm guessing, like, were they laid off or were they fired? Um, fired. I'm, they must They must I'm, have been fired. Like, that's... Yeah, the, 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 the company actually put out a statement. Um saying that they were letting them go let me find the actual statement because um yeah but i mean not that that matters that much and of course i, I don't know how that com- we don't know how that conversation actually went or what other things may have been going on internally mm-hmm. yeah maybe maybe added to their decision to go fire but at face value it seems pretty extreme and yeah you know you'd hope that You'd hope that a company would would stand by you a little bit, especially mm-hmm. if you'd been there for you know as long as she. What what? Yeah. How long had she been there? It, it was like. Uh, well, she'd been working in the industry for like ten years. I'm not sure how long she'd been with ArenaNet, though. Oh, oh, I see. Well, you know. Anyway, like it, still, you'd, you'd whatever, however long she'd worked there, you'd hope that your company might, you know, have a little bit more have your mm-hmm. back a little bit more there, you know, especially yeah, to, when to, to be frank though, like obviously again, we've, we've talked in the past in, uh, about the, the problems with the, in, in the, within the industry in terms of like job security and crunch and how a lot of times people view, especially entry level employees as easily replaceable because there are so many people who are hungry to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, the, the quote from ArenaNet here was uh, quote, recently two of our employees failed to uphold our standards of communicating with players. Their attacks on the community were unacceptable. As a result, they're no longer with the company. Attacks on the community is... It's strong language. An interesting statement. It, so- it sounds like what happens is happened there is that the higher-ups actually, you know, they actually agree with the, mm-hmm. um, the community more than they agree with what the developers were saying. Which, I, I mean, if you have that much of a per- personality or culture difference, mm-hmm. maybe, this isn't the <laughs> maybe this isn't the worst thing to happen to them. Like you said, it's complicated. You know, it, it's it's yeah. been a, a really messy, messy uh, week looking at this story. Um, but anyways, uh, uh, again, David, it, it's been good to have you on to sort of talk about some of this stuff and, and sort of have your perspective um, about it. Um, but before we let you go, mm-hmm. uh, I was I was pulling some folks for some questions. And um, so uh, Daniel on Twitter was asking uh, specifically you as a developer, mm. um, what are your opinions on uh, paid modifications, like paid mods within games? Uh, because for, you so know, for like the, the longest Skyrim time, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. So for yeah. the lo- longest time, mods have been free. There, I mean, there are still a lot of games out there that that you know their communities do free mods. Uh, but yeah, people like Bethesda have tried to implement this system for for paying creators for their mods. Um, so so what what is your uh, sort of thoughts and feelings on on that whole system i'm kind of yeah it's an interesting question i'm kind of of two minds about it on one hand um it is really cool that you know the creators of mods can actually kind of you know they can get a little bit of money for the thing that they're creating for the you know these passion these are just really passion projects that's all mods are and you know if you can actually get you know a little bit of a kickback for you know people 
really appreciating the, this mod you made and the quality that you made it. Um, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, that results in a lot more control from the developer themselves mm-hmm. and possibly restrictions and restrictions are good for creativity. But uh, one of the things that I really like about mods and one of the things I really think are kind of at like the, the core and the spirit of mods is that it tr- there really is no de- developer involvement, right? That it is right. just this kind of wild west of, of just... I'm going to, I'm going to just do a random thing and see how it goes. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm just going to build something. I'm just going to try something. I'm going to break something. That's honestly mm. how a lot of these things start is I'm just going to break something and see what happens. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't been super like, I, like I would, I would make maps and, and get involved in mod. This was a long time ago. And so I, I was never really modding during a paid mod mm-hmm. period of time. But, but part of me likes the kind of, wild west sort of we're just doing whatever and it's it's you know quick and dirty and or maybe not quick but always kind of rough around the edges kind of mod sort of a thing right you know i i think the paid mods might kind of take away a bit of that attitude but like i said it's nice to get paid for the things you're doing so of course you know it's yeah yeah, definitely it's so there's there's pros and cons to it i Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. um especially because i think well i i actually don't i'm not totally familiar with how it works in Skyrim, because you can't just submit whatever you want. I'm, I'm sure. Like, yeah, I think must they must some go through some sort of review process or something. Yeah, yeah. And so, like that alone, to me, modding is about going to some random website where you got to really make sure you're clicking the right button and just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's always yeah. kind of got a sketchy feel to it. And you're not oh, sure if, if yeah. installing it's going to totally fuck your game up. And <laughs> and while it's really nice that you know. For the paid mods, yes, you're paying a little bit of money, and what you're paying for is the security of I'm not getting a virus, and mm-hmm. <laughs> and my game is probably going to run after I install this mod. But um, <laughs> so I guess it may. I guess it's really nice that people are getting paid, but uh, I like nostalgia. I guess is what I'm saying here. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, like probably overall, it's probably a good thing. I don't, I don't know how many people are getting slowed down by this review mm-hmm. process, or how many how many, you know, good or what might be otherwise cool mods are, are not getting viewed because of a review mm-hmm. process. I think that would be an interesting question to see. Yeah. I, I've, I've also read some, some uh, takes from, from modders themselves who say like, Hey, you know, yeah, being paid for mods is cool, but also if I'm paid all of a sudden I feel like I, I have to keep working on that thing. Right. And, and right. I have to keep it updated. Right. And like, right. I, you know, it doesn't give you as much freedom to be like, oh, I made this thing and I threw it out there and now I can kind of move on with my life. That's that's also true. I've definitely uh, released a couple maps for Company Heroes and one of them, you know, one of them ended up after an update being just horribly broken. I got, <laughs> I got messages about it being horribly broken. They're like, this this map like does not work at all anymore. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, and I you guess yeah, <laughs> if somebody had paid for that, yeah, absolutely. I would totally feel like, oh, shit, like I have an obligation. Like people paid yeah. money for this. I need right. to make sure yeah. that it works. Of course. Um, so I guess, yeah, then that's that's kind of another thing. It does kind of take like modding is, you know, a passion project and it's supposed to be sort of a relaxed mm-hmm. thing that you just work on because for the love of the game. Right. And yeah. And if you're getting paid for it, it's a job. So, yeah, yeah, of course. Like I said, pros and cons, you know, you're Absolutely. getting paid, but you're getting paid. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, there's a responsibility there. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so, so I think if, if folks ever have uh, more developer specific questions, they should definitely send them in and we can, we can hold on to them until we have David back again on the show. 
so so usually before we go, we, we do some uh, non-gaming recommendation non-gaming recommendations uh, for the folks listening at home. Um, and I was actually going to bring this up in our in our little little uh, dev talk, but um, uh, I'm actually going to recommend uh, this video that you linked in in uh, in our Discord, um, and that mm. is uh, one from uh, Nerdwriter One on YouTube, which is uh, called "How Dark Patterns Trick You Online." Yes, uh, which is really cool. And so so it kind of talks about like the the mazes of of UI and, and and what have you that sort of trick you into either spending money or or uh, staying subscribed to something or essentially getting you to do whatever that company wants you to do without you mm-hmm. necessarily thinking about it. Um, so yeah, I, I can't remember why we brought that up. Maybe it was about loot boxes or something or microtransactions. Uh, I, I, um, somebody around work had been posting that, that video and I just dropped it in the, the discord yeah. chat. Cause I thought it was no. interesting. That's, no, that's yeah. kind of really, yeah. really, really fascinating stuff. I'll, I'll uh, link that in the show notes as well. Yeah. One important thing to, to keep in mind with, with that, that 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 video is about software development and, and apps specifically. Mm-hmm. Really important to remember that that kind of um, corralling, if you want to call it that, of people, yeah. um, that's not just an apps thing. Like that happens in real life all the time. Of like, course, there's, yeah. there's a reason that when you go to the grocery store, you have to walk through this gauntlet of small items before you leave, <laughs> right? Like there's yeah. a reason that that is laid out that way. Yeah. And so watching a watching a video like that and trying to just kind of like be aware of okay you know what what why are these things laid out in this way and why do they want me to do that yeah you know, of course is, is something something definitely to to think about and kind of keep in mind as you interact with stuff yeah you know, it, like you said definitely happens in our everyday because obviously we want to manipulate uh, I was about to say player behavior but like human behavior uh, to to get you know whatever we want to happen to happen yeah. But yeah, really cool video. So, so I'll link that as well. Uh, but David, do you have anything you want to recommend to, to the folks listening before we head off here? I, I have I have a couple things. One is kind of Vancouver centric. Okay, um, no problem. It's a restaurant called The Frying Pan, mm-hmm. and it's Korean fried chicken. And they have a food truck every day that hangs out on Burrard, and yeah. it is the fucking best. It oh is my god! So I, good. I just. I just opened up their Instagram account and yeah, I'm like, the, oh the my Insta- God. The Instagram <laughs> account, it makes you hungry looking at yeah. it. The, like the, the, they give you these fried chicken sandwiches and it's like, you know, hot chicken and they're huge. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I could have eaten one for two meals kind of a thing. They're these huge sandwiches yeah. and they give you the, you know, like the breaded fries, like Costco style fries on the side right. and you get the, like the Korean house mayo on top of the fries. It's fantastic. If you are in Vancouver... Search up the frying pan, figure out where the food truck is and hit that up for lunch. You will not be disappointed. And the other thing awesome. I want to recommend is actually a Warhammer thing. So it's kind of gaming, but it's tabletop gaming, you know, with the, yeah, for with sure. the little models and stuff. And uh, what it is, is that uh, Games Workshop is the company that makes Warhammer and they are coming out or coming out with their new set of rules for uh, their game mode called Kill Team. Okay. And typically Warhammer is all about having... Tons of models, you know, these big armies that you clash together and do all this kind of stuff. And I've got, you know, I've got, you know, like, got like a couple hundred models probably. I have, I have a problem. I have a problem. See, I never, I never got into Warhammer. I never got into Warhammer just because I was like, this is going to be a money sink. It absolutely is, John. And (laughs) now I'm advertising it. No, but uh, (laughs) but the thing about Kill Team, the really great thing about Kill Team is that it's actually this very small scale game. Okay. Uh, you only need five to ten models and each of okay. your models it's it's kind of very rpg like each of your models is 
like you give them a name and you give them a kit and a mm-hmm. loadout and they actually have little skill trees that they can like learn new abilities and effects and stuff. And so you have this, you have this like little, little A team squad that you have and you play and it's a okay. much smaller game. So if anybody has thought that Warhammer looked cool, but are rightfully kind of nervous <laughs> about the, uh, the money yeah. sink, thinking that you have to spend, you know, hundreds of dollars to get into this game. Uh, you don't. You can play this game called Kill Team. It's very fun, uh, and it has a very small number of models that you can use. So it's a very easy kind of uh, entry point into that sort of tabletop gaming if that is something that you're interested in. So yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, I've always been very curious about Warhammer, but like I said, I never got into it because it looked too complicated. It looked like it was just like I said, got to spend way too much money on models and paint and like we, we got to get that, a, that measuring tape out. <laughs> we, we have a, a bi-weekly Warhammer group, John, and we got some Uh-oh. spare armies. We'll, we'll let Uh-oh. you play the, we'll let you just play with one of our armies. <laughs> it's free, John, just come show up and. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take, take, uh, take, you know, the fucking bait here from someone who openly admitted on this podcast before us and God that he has designed loot boxes. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> I know the enemy when I see it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, David, this has been a blast. Um, as always, like I said, it's great to have, uh, you know, a dev's perspective on a lot of this stuff. And I know you got a jet right away, so so I'm not going to keep you any longer. Um, so, so yeah, thanks, thanks again for coming on the show. We'll, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back again soon. And I know, uh, our team needs to start scrimming again real soon because the September open qualifiers, they're coming up. Yeah. After all we said about like how relieved we are, we didn't win and everything <laughs> and how much of a time sink it was. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Games. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm always, I always have a good time uh, sitting and talking about games. It's uh, awesome. obviously something that I love. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and and folks, if you want to discuss the show with us, uh, a great place to do that is the uh, Shelf Games Discord server. And again, the link for that is in the show notes um, where you can weigh, on, weigh in on the news. If you want to ask questions directly to David about game dev or, or talk about some of the st- stuff that we discussed on the show, that's, that's a great place to do that. Uh, send us email, shelfgames at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, find the show wherever you get your podcasts or at shelvegames.com. Follow us on Twitter at shelvegames. I'm at John underscore tab. And of course, we're on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Just search for Shelve Games there. Uh, music for the show is by Zed Ion. Uh, David, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm probably most active on Instagram, where I'm at David Mlin, um, <laughs> D-A-V-I-D-M-L-I-N-E. Cool. And, and you also stream sometimes at uh, twitch.tv slash the underscore dry underscore run. I sure do. Thanks for remembering that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Every every Thursday at uh, eight o'clock Pacific, we go on and, and me and a group of guys stream kind of whatever, basically. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, but yeah, thanks again, David. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. And thank you uh, for everyone listening at home. And we will catch you next time. So until then, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. Don't want those randos ruining your your good time. Yeah, I got to tell you, the people who are still playing Halo 3, they are good at Halo 3. (laughs) The, The people who are still hanging out in that community, they are not fucking around.
Yeah, I was going to say, if you're uh, still clinging to, to Halo 3 in 2018, yeah, Halo 3 you're, is, you're probably serious about it. Uh, 11 years old now? So. <laughs> yeah.